Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning and welcome to Out of the Blue on Sunday 24th of February 2019. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 on your AM dial, or you can have a listen from our website at www.3cr.org.au forward slash radio blue, where you can stream our broadcast and you will also find a number of previously aired episodes that have been uploaded as podcasts. You can also find our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash out of the blue radio. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land 3CR is broadcasting from this morning and pay our respects to their elders past and present and also to future generations. My name is Andrew Christie from Melbourne Polytechnic and Marine Care Point Cook and today's weather is absolutely glorious in Melbourne. We're headed for a top of 32 degrees with a pretty light uh, north northeasterly uh, breeze coming in at 15 to 20 kilometres an hour. As always be careful if you're getting into our beautiful bay or on our waterways in the state of Victoria. Now today I'm joined in the studio by Tamara Vekic of Parks Victoria. How are you today, Tamara? I'm very well, Andrew. How are you? Very good, thanks. Thanks a lot for coming into the studio today. 
Oh, no worries. It's really great to be here with you today talking about all things marine. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. So am I. Uh, today we'll be, uh, as Tamara mentioned, discussing a whole range of issues to do with the marine environment and uh, talking about things like marine pests, also sea urchins and a few other things as well. So what we'll do is quickly whip to a community service announcement and we'll be back on Out of the Blue in just a sec. Well, if you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, I sure know where you are. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. We'll check out the happy vibe. We're gonna ring up and subscribe. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. Okay, uh, Tamara, can you give us a bit of a a snapshot, if you will, of your life story and how you ended up becoming the Marine Communications Officer for Parks Victoria? Yeah, sure. Um, So I started off being a summer ranger at Parks Victoria while I was still studying my undergraduate uh, degree, majoring in um, ecology and conservation. So in case your listeners are interested career-wise, summer ranger is a really good way to uh, try a conservation career at Parks Victoria. So they recruit uh, in about September every year for the um, summer period when it's busiest in all the parks. And yeah, you can apply and give it a shot for three months of that summer period to see what it's all about so right yeah that's how I started excellent so September applications in the summer period are we talking from you know November onwards generally or when does yeah, it actually so kick in don't take my word for it but it's around September um yeah you could just always check on the on the VicGov website for careers yep um but yes and then you generally start in early December and work through to the end of February yep um so that's what I did I did university during the year and then finished my exams. I'd hop into the job and then finish up the job and then the week after I'll be back into uni. So Yeah, terrific. Yeah. And what sort of uh, what sort of uh, activities does a summer ranger get into? Well, because there's a lot of um, increased visitation to parks during summer, a lot of it is focused on, you know, making sure we're giving good customer service to people in parks, answering any inquiries, but also a bit of environmental work as well. So my role was, uh, I was on the back beaches of the Mornington Peninsula, and my role was to manage their uh, threatened uh, beach bird program, the hooded plovers that some of your oh, listeners might have heard of. Yes, yep. Yeah, so I balanced that with a bit of um, customer customer service. Oh, fantastic. And um, with the, um, the, the the back beaches around Mornington Peninsula, which specific areas are we talking there? So what I mean by back beaches is those ocean, open ocean facing beaches that get a lot of wave action as opposed to the bay beaches that are a bit calmer. Uh, and those um, beaches uh, at the back are, you know, Sorrento, Port Sea, um, all the way down to the other end at Flinders. They get a lot of, like I said, wave action, which brings in all the seaweed, yes, um, which uh, the hooded plovers use to to feed on. So they don't actually eat the seaweed, but they get the little bugs and critters that the... get washed up in the seaweed. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's where they nest. Um, they they plonk their little eggs on the sand itself, 
and um, and obviously that's a really good uh, strategy when it comes to you know concealing their eggs from predators because their eggs blend into the sand really well. But unfortunately, it's not such a great strategy when you have uh, people coming onto the beach. Uh, so I worked for hunters and hunters of years, and then we started to you know have um, more humans down on the beach wanting to go for a surf and sunbake, and so we needed to start intervening there with active management uh, to make sure that we're locating the nest on the beaches and then using temporary rope fencing and signage to fence those nests off to let everyone know uh, that they're there and just to give them a little bit of space. Wow. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that's a big issue at the moment in southwestern Victoria. I know around Warrnambool there's a big um, hoo-ha around the racehorses being taken out onto the beaches as part of their training and they're worried they might stomp. I'm pretty sure it's the hooded plovers that they're looking after. That's know, right, yeah. So we've got the hooded plovers all along the coast of Victoria and also in Tasmania um, and some areas of New South Wales and um, South Australia as well. So, But yes, they are threatened, they're vulnerable and um, because our beaches you know, are multiple-use beaches, so we, um, we've got recreational groups and, and visit, you know, just general people and visitors um, as well as uh, managing them for conservation purposes. Yeah, there are some areas in which um, they're still figuring out how to reach that balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, sort of an ongoing process. That's yeah. uh, fair enough. That was one of the other things that you touched on was the, uh, the, the seaweed washed up on the beach. I sort of never realised how important that, uh, that, that what they call kelp rack and all these other things are to the ecology. It's, a, it's pretty much an ecology within an ecology in a sense, isn't it, when you look at all the, the, the critters that depend on those sorts of resources. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most people will go down for the beach... Uh for a walk down the beach and look at the seaweed and go, oh, that smells a bit funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's about as far as they go with interacting with it. But yeah, once you start to realise um, just how incredible it is as a as a food web source, really, um, yeah, you start to appreciate it on a whole new level. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. very good. So you did the uh, did uh, some arranger position initially, and what was uh, what happened after that? As far as Parks Victoria goes. Yeah. So then after that, I, I finished my uni degree and. Um, um, some new positions came up and so I jumped into a marine ranger position at Williamstown, which is where we met yes, yeah. <laughs> a few years back and did that. And then I uh, moved uh, off to regional Victoria for a bit of an adventure. So I was based at Wilson's Prom National Park. Half <laughs> your luck. <laughs> yeah, that beautiful part of the world for a couple of years. Um, and I was a ranger down there as well. And um, both, you know, doing sort of marine and land stuff. And then I moved uh, into this role. So Fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, you've been clearly been to some of the most beautiful places of the, of, that Victoria has to offer, <laughs> um, I suppose, when you're looking at the Mornington back beaches and then off to the prom. Um, what did your work role at the prom involve when you say marine and land-based uh, activities over there? Yeah, so lots of different things. So um, the bread and butter of a, of a ranger's job, I guess, is dealing with invasive plants and animals. So because there are ma major issues that threaten biodiversity. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure that most of your listeners are aware of what invasive species are, but just in case they're not, um, just a quick background is that, mm -hmm. you know, in Australia, we've got introduced species that have arrived from other parts of the world, um, such as on land. Most people will be familiar with like foxes and cats, but also in the ocean, we've got a similar situation. So uh, not foxes and cats swimming in water, but <laughs> um, things like um, invasive sea stars and seaweeds. So at Wilson's Prom, we did have lots of programs to manage uh, 
plants on the beaches as well as um, in like further inland. But then we also jumped in the water and um, dealt with marine issues. So if you've heard of Tidal River, which is the main river that runs through Wilson's Prom, uh-huh. we um, we did unfortunately discover invasive Northern Pacific sea stars there on a couple of occasions. So a part of what we do would be to get in the water once a month and do surveys looking for them just in case we find any more and then taking them out. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, when uh, on a couple of occasions when those things did raise their ugly heads, um, Parks Vic had a really strong response to it, didn't they? They got a lot of volunteers and just got into the water en masse and, and were pretty successful in removing them, from my yes, understanding. That's right, Andrew. It's a really good success story when it comes to invasive species. As you know, and some of your listeners would probably as well, uh, it's really important to get invasive species at the very start when they've been introduced to a new area because if you don't get them at the very start, it's really hard to eradicate them afterwards. They just multiply and spread so quickly. That's part of why they're so successful. Yes. Um, so, yeah, in Tidal River, we, you know, once we were alerted to those Northern Pacific sea stars being in there, we had a team of Parks Victoria divers um, and others helping out jump in the water, do a very thorough search and pull them out and continue to do so to just be vigilant. Um, yeah, so to make sure that we don't have a repeat of that. So we unfortunately did on, on a couple of other occasions find more, but again, we were able to just quickly react. Um, and so, so far, so good. Great. Yeah. That's really good to hear because you'd, uh, yeah, obviously you'd hate to see them uh, totally overcome the, uh, the the biota in that area. And on, on those lines, can you tell us a bit about the, uh, what's it called, the Check Clean dry campaign that's currently running with uh, with Parks Victoria? Yeah, I certainly can. So the Check Clean and Dry campaign is one that um, is just trying to educate and empower recreational marine users. So just everyone who's out, you know, enjoying the ocean, the beautiful Port Phillip Bay or beyond in other parts of Victoria, whether it's uh, people who fish, kayak, boat, sail, um, snorkel, dive, and so just um, basically uh, a really nifty slogan which will help you to remember what you as a marine user can do to help to stop the spread of marine pests. So like I just mentioned, uh, marine pests or, in, um, or those invasive species, um, at the moment, unfortunately, Port Phillip Bay is um, a bit of a hotspot for them because they ha- a number of them have arrived through international shipping. So through um, being attached on the hull of those ships that come in from elsewhere or something sometimes even in that ballast water that they use to balance the boat that then gets discharged. So unfortunately in Port Phillip Bay we do have a number of marine invasive species or marine pests and what we want is to really slow and stop their spread as much as we can outside of Port Phillip Bay to other parts of Victoria. So we say um, please do check clean and dry. So what we mean by that is check visually your marine equipment, your boat, your fishing gear, your snorkeling gear, um, just in case you've got, you know, critters, seaweeds and things attached to them so that you can remove them. So visually check. And the second step is clean with fresh water if possible because when those marine pests are very tiny juvenile stages, they're not actually visible to the human eye. Right. So by making sure that you're cleaning all of your gear with fresh water, that actually eliminates them even at those stages. 
Yep. And it's really good to make sure that your gear doesn't rust as well. Yeah, they're very yeah. good at added incentive, yes. That's yep. right. And then the last step, dry, is just making sure that you thoroughly dry your marine equipment before moving to new spots because we have actually found that um, those pests can survive in damp spots for a number of days or even up to weeks. Wow. Yeah, so check clean and dry. You can um, check out our Facebook or our YouTube page as well. We've got a series of videos we've come up with to yeah kind of help to spread the the message as well fantastic yes yeah they're worth checking out i uh i did uh notice a few famous faces in those uh those videos that's right yes yeah. so your listeners might know of jess watson um also known as the youngest person to sail around the world solo who we partnered with for this videos and also those listeners who might be into fishing might have heard of paul worsling who has the show i fish as well and lastly, we've got our own Dr. Mark Norman, who's our chief scientist at Parks Victoria. So the three of them feature in that video to yeah, spread the, the message. And I think the videos are just worth watching as well, just from the, some of the great footage that illustrates the amazing underwater world we've got in Victoria. Um, you know, some of those shots are just illustrate that it's not just sand under there, which, are, you know, a lot of people unfortunately seem to think <laughs> it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have seen these videos and they are they are well worth checking out. It's uh, some some really interesting stuff, and they're only a few minutes each, but they they really get those uh, those vital messages across. My understanding is that the check clean dry um, motto or the, the the slogan was something that was actually borrowed from New Zealand. That's right. So we didn't want to sort of reinvent the wheel if um, you know others had done it successfully before. So we did. Um, take notice that in New Zealand they had a really successful campaign based on that similar slogan with their invasive species and you know other parts of the world too I was just recently on a holiday in Canada and just driving you know along the road I saw a flashing sign with a similar variant of the check clean and dry message so it's definitely something that's um, been employed elsewhere in the world successfully as well there you go well worth uh, well worth getting on to so just to recap for our for our boat owners out there who might be planning on going fishing today off Altona and then uh, they're lucky enough to have some annual leave next week so they're then deciding to uh, to head down the southwest coast to say Warrnambool, Portland. Uh, what would your advice be to them in terms of what they actually do to, um, uh, to to address those concerns with their boat? What do they actually physically do once it's out of the water? Yeah, great question, Andrew. So basically, just you know, check step number one. Check uh, visually. You, know, you might have some seaweed stuck on um, you know propellers and other areas that's susceptible. So just pull that off. And then if you, if possible, take it to, a, you know, a car washing station and just give it a quick clean with fresh water yep. before you tow it, um, if you are driving it, uh, to another location. Yep. And, um, and then, yeah, give it some time to dry out in the sun before you pop it back in the water in another location. And also really good to always just keep your anti-fouling up to date from a hygiene perspective because that helps, um, again, from a boat performance perspective, but also helps to ensure those marine critters are not sticking on the hull. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So the thing I love about this campaign is that it's, uh, it's, it's multifaceted in the sense that a lot of these things are not mutually exclusive at all. They're, uh, they're, they're the sort of things that a good boat owner wants to do anyway because like you said you don't want your stuff rusting you don't want passengers jumping on and slowing the performance of your boat or, or retarding the performance in any way it's something that a, a good boat owner is going to do anyway isn't it really a lot of these things yeah absolutely i was just recently at apollo bay seafood festival um 
doing some you know uh, education around this check clean and dry campaign and talking to a boat owner and he says he can tell when uh, when he's got seaweeds and things stuck to the boat because his you know fuel bill just goes up you know, <laughs> noticeably so, yes. yes like driving a car with flat tires basically that's right yeah, exactly. am- amazing yeah, yeah very good stuff all right we might um we might take a quick break there we'll go to a song this is touch the fire by ice house 3CR broadcasters present over 100 radio programs every week, including a diverse range of community language shows. Come to one of 3CR community radio. Please subscribe now. Están escuchando Radio Comunitaria 3CR. Suscríbete ahora. Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am, and that was Ice House with Touch the Fire. So uh, back to uh, Tamara Vekic from Parks Victoria. Um, Tamara, can you tell us a bit about uh, why marine pests are such a, uh, a big deal at the moment and what they actually do in the environment? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a really good question. Um, basically, what marine pests do is that they do two of two things. Um, one is they either predate or eat or hunt uh, native animals, native critters, um, just like pests on land do. Uh, so, you know, you might think of something like the Northern Pacific sea star, which we've mentioned, which is uh, yellow and purple, quite lovely looking sea star. It and, is. You know, when you're a human, you you know, you look at it and you go, that's pretty and uh, looks pretty benign, but it's actually a voracious predator of marine critters. So if you're a little, you know, marine animal living underwater, you'd be pretty scared of that um, sea star. Um, so it definitely, you know, has a very broad diet. It's not a picky eater. And so what it can do is then really affect our ecosystem system and marine biodiversity by you know just eating uh, eating our native species but another way in which marine pests can affect um, our species is by competing with them either for food or resources such as sunlight or space so we've got another pest which is uh, wakami uh, which is also called the japanese kelp and that seaweed competes with our native Eclonia seaweed for space on rocks and other substrates. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, they're, they're the two main ways that they impact. Yes, yeah, right. That's a that's a really interesting one, that last one you highlighted, because we're seeing very few of the uh, examples of Eclonia left now at Point Cook Marine Sanctuary. I know where I spend a lot of my time. Um, we're, we're hardly seeing any Eclonia now. It's basically died off. And I guess that's compounded by the uh, by the fact that we've, um, we've got some uh, native uh, sea urchins that are actually starting to explode in terms of population. Parks Vic have been very active in uh, in instituting some uh, some sea urchin culls around the place. So can you tell us a bit about that, Tamara? 
Yeah, it's actually a, a bit of a novel environmental issue for us and management wise. It seems that our native urchins are actually behaving like invasive species, like marine pests. So what they're doing is they're really multiplying very quickly um, in some areas of the Victorian coast and they are really negatively affecting the marine environment by basically grazing their way to a barren state. Um, and you, you would have seen underwater at Point Cook um, mm. as well. So, you know, they, they're grazing so they eat, um, you know, seaweeds and algae and um, they leave just basically urchin barrens behind um, and that's just areas of bare sand and rock where nothing really grows. So yeah. it's a very serious issue. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So we're trying to basically restore the balance at the moment by going through and getting the culling programs going. Yes, that's right. So we are uh, we are uh, controlling their numbers by hand. So just in case some of your listeners might be concerned about the ethics of culling them, um, we, we do employ the most humane method uh, possible, which is a quick strike with a, a hammer-like implement that instantly kills them. Um, so, yes, that's unfortunately the reality of, um, you know, environmental management, um, that, that sometimes that's necessary. But we have seen some really encouraging positive results in areas where we have culled, um, seeing some of that, you know, biodiversity start to come back um, and that cover to return as Fantastic. well. Fantastic. Yeah. Some good signs. For those that um, that actually find marine pests a fair way out of their, their sort of uh, home range, if you like, the, the adopted home range I'm talking there, um, if anyone sees some pests out at the prom or anyone else, anywhere else are there certain people they can talk to or contact numbers or websites they can jump onto yes absolutely so we work really closely with our colleagues from the department of jobs precincts and regions to manage marine pests but we've come up with a one reporting line a whole of government one so that you don't have to worry about who to call and uh, if you just google marine pests um, and go jump on the parks victoria page it does give you those um, but i'll just say it anyway it's 136 186 the reporting telephone line and and the email is marine.pests at ecodev.vic.gov.au. And when you do report a marine pest, um, please do give us a little bit of extra info, such as location, which is really important, a photo, um, and your contact details as well, so that we can get back to you for more information if we need. Um, you know, people out there um, on the coast are our uh, eyes and ears. We, you know, there's only a limited number of us working in this area, but, um, you know, it was it's really good if others can keep an eye out for us because, like I mentioned earlier in the show, the sooner we get to those invasive species in new areas, the best chance of success we have at eliminating them. Fantastic. Sounds good. And just in closing tomorrow, we're uh, at the point now we're going to have to wrap the show up for yet another Sunday, but uh, I heard there was some breaking news on, uh, on rock lobster numbers in marine protected areas. Yeah, some fantastic news. So our research has uh, shown that rock lobster numbers are actually thriving in, in marine protected areas, so our marine parks and sanctuaries, which is fantastic because rock lobsters are uh, an animal that eats those urchins as well that are numerous. So um, that's really good news for us. Fantastic. Good to hear. All right. Well, thanks again for coming into the studio today, Tamara. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. No worries at all. And uh, that brings us to the end of Out of the Blue for another Sunday. Stay tuned with Sally for Out of the Pan.